On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with new Magic Hall of Famer, Magic Executive, former Magic General Manager, John Gabriel, kind enough to join us and what a conversation we had. It's brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation and they remind you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. Oh, we take a nice stroll down memory lane with former Magic General Manager John Gabriel, including how he got his big break in the NBA, how he beat the door down for the Philadelphia 76ers to get in the year they won the NBA title in 82-83. It struck up a lifelong relationship with Pat Williams, who brought him here to City Beautiful. We rehashed that incredible summer of 2000 where John Gabriel nearly had Tim Duncan, Tracy McGrady, and Grant Hill all here in Orlando. And the decision to push so hard for Penny Hardaway when the Magic drafted Chris Webber and made that trade for Penny. So many stories with John Gabriel on this edition of Magic Pod Squad. This is Jalen Suggs of the Orlando Magic. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. This is Cole Anthony. This is Fonz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. And this is the Pod Squad. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Oh, we got a fun one playing for you here today. Dante Marcatelli, Jeff Turner, George Galante, with Magic Executive John Gabriel, kind enough to join us. And I guess, guys, we got to call him Magic Hall of Famer now, right? Is I that... was going to say that's not the right introduction, Dante. Yes, like I know. It's, it's Orlando Magic <laughs> Hall of Famer, John Orlando Gabriel. Orlando Magic now. Hall of Famer. Does that have a nice ring to it, Gabe? Magic Hall I, of Famer? I, I think that's the correct. Uh... Addressing. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I want from now on. I'm, I'm a pretty big, I'm a pretty big deal now. And uh, but one of my strongest attributes is my humility. <laughs> Perfect. Well, everybody's got to stand when Gabe comes by. Make yeah, sure he, yeah. make sure he's down the hall before you sit back down. We're we're good to go. He was going to text have some. I hope you have somebody, Gabe, delivering your coffee and your mm-hmm. newspaper or anything else you need, like I have to do with Hall of Famer David Steele, who, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> it's something to this. I, you know, when you guys get your, you know, your Hall of Fame jackets made and everything, I'm yes. sure I'll have to take David's to the laundry and all that stuff, <laughs> get it dry clean. <laughs> and, and I think if I heard somebody say something about a check. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. didn't, didn't get one. That was George's. That's George's department. They're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, just stay It'll by the mailbox. It. It'll come any any minute. Any minute. Any minute. Okay. Well, yeah. Gabe, we we couldn't have been happier for you. It's such a well deserved. Uh, it, was, it was a great ceremony. Such a well deserved honor to be to get that recognition. All you've done in sports, anyway, and in the NBA, but certainly here in Central Florida, and the the footprint that you have with this Orlando Magic organization. How, how much did you enjoy? the ceremony and how, how special was everything going into the magic hall of fame. You know, we made fun that it didn't take the people from the Northeast, a lot of coaxing to come down to <laughs> 75 degree weather. But I was just in awe of just seeing my brothers and sisters there. My brother works in Dubai and he was in town and uh, uh, just to be in front of so many people that I love and more importantly, respect uh, and to do it with B Hill too, it was it was yeah. extra special because he's such a dear friend, and, he, and you guys all know what a great guy he is. Certainly do. You know this whole this whole thing can be with with professional sports anyway. It can be 
cutthroat. It can be about what have you done for me lately? It can be about, we got to win. We can be about, everything can be about business, but it seems like Gabe, it, it seemed like you, you have a, you always had a, uh, an interest in people. It seemed like it was about relationships. When, when you do it, you seem to go about it on the relationship side of things. How much did that mean to you? The people that you work with and the relationships you made? You know, I, I left in 04, 2004. I went to the Trailblazers for three years, worked for them. I commuted from Florida to Portland. And uh, then I, went, I was with the Knicks for seven to eight years. And it just never, you know, it's hard to explain, but it never felt like home. And uh, for Alex to ask me to come back as an advisor was, was, was just a huge day. One of the you know, bigger days in, uh, in my memory. Uh, so it, it was really important. And, you know, the, the growing pains are hard that we're going through right now, but to me, you know, you got you got to work at it every day. You know, to everybody else, to quote Rocky, to everybody else, Wednesday was or Tuesday was the Wednesday was the Hall of Fame day. For me, it was Wednesday. <laughs> That's great. See, it's a good thing David's not here because he's never seen Rocky. Like he's never I seen any that. of the Rockies. <laughs> so it's a good thing that David's David's not with us. There, there was, you know, Gabe. I thought, I thought, I mean, knowing you guys for a long time, I thought I had heard all the stories I could possibly hear. But then as the ceremonies are going on, there was a story about how you and Brian had met on the beach in Hawaii in 1993. Can you, can you rehash that story for us? Cause I had never heard it until that day. And I, I, I just found it fascinating that that's how you guys really had your first connection. Well, it was, it was, it was the draw of Brian and Mike Fratello that made me take note of, of uh, how organized they were, serious about each game, their preparation. Uh, and that was something that uh, really impressed me about Brian. And, and uh, uh, you know, we were starting up new. That's the one good thing that Pat did. We, you know, I came in in 87, so I had two years where uh, we didn't win any games. We didn't have any unit. We didn't have uniforms. We didn't have a, uh, a an arena for that matter. So we got Maddie Gukas, who was flirting with going to Charlotte, and uh, uh, because we were two years out, and Charlotte and Miami came in ahead of us, as you recall. So it was a good time to to prep, and uh, and then Brian Brian's work sort of spoke for itself as he eventually became head coach in the early nineties. Gabe, you mentioned you, you came to Orlando in 87 with Pat. Um, but I don't know that people really know the backstory. You, you kind of talked about it, what you were doing after college and, and how you got into the NBA. Take us, take us through that a little bit starting your own business, doing some other things before you got to the NBA. Yeah, I, I was teaching in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And basically, as, uh, this is meant, meant as a shout out to all teachers starving to death uh, on, on my 9,000 yeah. a year salary as a teacher. <laughs> I, that, that's a year. Wow. And uh, 
I went to Atlantic City. My brother ran Atlantic City race course. I became a New Jersey racing official, climbed the pole and watched the ponies go around to call fouls. But before I did that, I cut lawns during the day in Gabe's lawn service. Wow. I had about a hundred, I had about 110 accounts that um, myself and one other gentleman did. And uh, I, I would stop every day at this diner. That, and I think the damn phone's still there, the pay phone. And uh, uh, we'd call the Sixers and this woman would answer and say, I'm sorry, he's not available. I said, well, I hear you're trading for Moses Malone. And her, her tagline was, can't, can't confirm it, can't deny it. And uh, I said, you know, can I get an interview with somebody? I went into the box office and eventually worked myself into basketball ops, took advantage of the medium video, which was uh, they were going from film to, film to VHS. And all the, all the coaches and the players thought there was electricity in the coaxial cable. So they wouldn't touch it, and they, they make they had me hook up their their VCRs. I'm in Billy Cunningham's house hooking up his VCR, and so <laughs> Julius Irving in his room, Doctor J, and uh, and then eventually Jack McMahon, God rest his soul, got sick, and they said, "Have you ever been to Hawaii for the Aloha Classic?" I said, "I haven't been past Pittsburgh," <laughs> and, and uh, I flew to Hawaii to start scouting. Before I knew it, I was director of pro scouting, sitting on the bench, the, the director of college scouting. And, and uh, I wrote and produced all the TV commercials, uh, which we did one almost every two weeks because we couldn't sell tickets. And then I just worked my way up the ladder. And I think Pat needed somebody that did a little bit of everything when he came to the magic in 87. And, uh, and that, I think that was my ticket in. Well, didn't they know you were busy scouting? You, you, they say you got to go run, write these commercials. Don't didn't somebody else <laughs> just pick up that pick up that slack? George, I'd sit with Matty Kukas after a game in the in the in the locker room, and we'd review we would review the game, and then I would uh, go help Jeff Millman, who was the equipment manager, fold towels, uh, and then I'd get in my car with with my beach blanket on top of my lap and eat my dinner on the drive back to Delaware where I lived and and then I kept a pad by my right hand and I would write the commercials that were coming up and the other thing that was really fun is that was the championship year that I first started in 82 83 I used everybody in the entire office in one commercial or other so it really brought it really not only brought the team together it brought the staff together that's incredible George Dante, I, you know, you guys, I, I know you do because I do too. People, I'll get young people all the time and they'll, and they'll say, Hey, I want to get into professional sports. You know, I want to do this. I want to work in this department. Um, and I was like, how do I do that? And I always tell them, you just got to get in the door first. And, mm -hmm. you know, to me, Gabe's example is exactly, you know, you, and, and to, and Gabe's, his willingness to do whatever job needed to be done. Just do it. Make yourself valuable. Uh, and and that's, that's John Gabriel. Um, and that's why he was so successful when he finally did get his opportunity, in my opinion. My good friend Tim Malloy wrote a book. It's called The One Thing. And he, he spoke to 30 executives and they gave the one thing that was most important to them. 
And uh, mine was, make, as Jeff, as you're saying, make yourself indispensable. And uh, Tim's book's doing quite well. But uh, there's a lot of interesting stories in that book. Uh, by example, if you draw it, there was one chapter on a gentleman that says, if you can draw it, they will learn it. Uh, and it was showing the importance of visuals. So I use that also as part of what I do for uh, Jeff and John. That's awesome. You know, Gabe, I think about, you You know, you played basketball, right? You get a scholarship, you play at Kutztown State and you play, uh, did you always, did you always love basketball? Like where did this all begin? And, and guys, I know you guys have played against Gabe. It's the only time he guarded me. I played against Gabe one time. It's the only time I played a pickup game and I never got the ball. Only time. <laughs> never happened before. That guy was relentless. I couldn't get, I couldn't get open for a second, but you played the game. What made you, where did that passion come from? What made you want to call the Sixers every day? What made you get to the point where you had to beat down the door and, and get into an NBA job? Well, I left out a, a line in, in my acceptance speech uh, that I played with Tom Sterner. We owned the playgrounds from the time we were in the third grade on across the street. But it was going against my two older brothers, Pat and Frank, who were, who were just better than me. And I sort of learned and cut my teeth uh, on that. And then I, I found a weird thing happened in college. I, uh, I started as a sophomore at Kutztown University. We played the best teams we played against back then were Mount St. Mary's, Lehigh University, and Towson State. They were the, the best teams we played against, so it wasn't very good basketball. Basketball. But I got player of the year uh, two years in a row, and I went, went into the Hall of Fame, and I averaged, Jeff, listen to this, eight points and four rebounds, but I shot like 65% from the floor because I wouldn't take a bad shot. So I, I, I earned it by playing defense, you know, which is a, a side of the, the other side of the ball that most people don't play. So I sort of learned that you can sort of earn your wings and, and, you know, by doing things that others aren't really willing to or can't do. And then from there, did you just want to still be with basketball? What, what made you want to get in with the Philadelphia 76ers so badly? Well, I was living in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I'd walk up to the corner pub who had cable because I didn't and uh, watch the Sixers play. And uh, this, this, was, this was still the McGinnis, George McGinnis years and Julius before they got Malone. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, I liked, I liked the college game. I, I was an assistant coach at, at Kutztown and I coached at Trinity high school in Harrisburg, but I, I had a chance to get into the bigs and John Nash was at the racetrack with working with my brother. And he and when ended up being the GM under Pat Williams or assistant GM under Pat Williams. So I knew there was a door and Jeff, as you said, you know, to get your foot in the door via a contact is really what it's all about. And I always advise young players to do that. And if, if they're in the game, don't leave it because there's no promise you'll get back in. Mm. Gabe, we, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, pretty, we've talked a lot about at the Hall of Fame and uh, everything is your ability to evaluate talent and, so I, I, I'm going to throw this one out to you. This might be enlightening for George and Dante as well. You know, in those early days of the Magic, you're putting together a team, right? And you have the expansion draft. And 
and then you're having to draft, but you got to fill out the roster. You got to sign free agents to fill out your roster. And, and you, you had to evaluate uh, a, a young man that, you know, kind of played in the NBA, was a first round draft pick, you know, not successful necessarily in New Jersey that <laughs> took him. He went overseas and for some reason, you know, you work this kid out. He's a left-handed shooter. You worked him out and you decided to sign him. What, what was that all about? I mean, you're supposed to be a Italian about talent evaluator. How did that happen? I was on a drunken binge. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, uh... You asked for it, Jeff. You uh, asked, I know. You asked I know. And I knew it was coming. I knew. <laughs> I knew. You oh, had, you had a couple guys. You had a couple guys really pulling for you from uh, from the league. Number one, and number two, you know, I don't know that I I can't I can't say that I had the foresight to, to realize how important a floor spreader. Jeff was one of the first bigs that was a floor spreader, which yeah. is the, uh, you know, which is so important in these days in the league. And, uh, uh, and that, that was really it. And, and he, and you had good representation who uh, I, uncle Warren. <laughs> he pushed pretty hard, didn't he? Warren pushed pretty hard. You're, you were the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> in Warren's eyes and, and thank God we signed you I'm sorry I scared you all those years thinking you were going to be traded during that period of <laughs> 57 transactions in 15 months but. Yeah, that's right. how many times well, listen, how many we, times did Jeff think he was going Gabe how many he'd times run. he'd run when every, he'd year. <laughs> every, every year every year the story we hear is he got tired of dumping it down to the big fella he didn't understand why he couldn't get more shots. He wanted more threes. <laughs> we couldn't make that happen. <laughs> you know, I, I can just remember, the, the, Jeff, was it the Chicago series in the playoffs? Or, I don't know how, how many how many points you had in the, the game, the winning game, but I can remember you drilling them. I'll, yeah, I'll, well, I'll the you know, that was the game. That was Chicago. the game that Horace uh, – had the, the hand injury late in game six. And, uh, you know, I, I kid Brian because the, you know, the funny story is like, it was matchups, right? Like I, I played, um, I didn't play a whole lot in the Boston series, played a little bit in Chicago, played a lot in the Indiana series because, hmm. um, you know, the Davis got, you know, playing the two Davises playing at the power forward. But um, Brian didn't think that was a great matchup for me with Tony Kukoc and uh, at the time, and um, so Horace goes down and I, yeah, I haven't played a lot and it's the fourth quarter and Brian looks at me and he said, all right, you're in. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, made a couple of buckets, but uh, it was, uh, you know, just a, a great time to be part of that. So um, I never, um, I never thought Gabe was necessarily going to trade me. It's just that, you know, he just kept trying to bring in people all the time, you know, to replace me. That was the thing that, you know, it's like, come on, Gabe, give me a break here. You know, you just keep bringing gotcha. in more guys. But ultimately, guys, he did trade me, Gabe. I think I might have been one of the first trades just for salary cap purposes. And mm. as you began to look towards the future as well, right? When you sent me to Vancouver for Kenny Gaddison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and were you there when they when they when they collapsed? 
Vancouver? Or the... Yeah. No, I didn't. I, I never, never went. I never went out. I never went. <laughs> he said, I'm not going. He said, I'm not going there. Forget he said, radio it. sounds good. Radio sounds <laughs> radio. good from, I from here. I, I, made a lot of, I made a lot of deals like that, Dante, where I'd say, <laughs> you know, and, and to people that I end up working for, damn it, like Kevin Pritchard, <laughs> say, Kevin, you've just been traded to the Magic, but don't get too excited. Don't don't pack a bag because I'm going to move you in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, we hear the stories about the um, the, the the drafting of Chris Weber, but you really pushed Gabe to get Penny Hardaway. You really liked that fit, and then Pat, you know, asked for five first round draft picks, got three. I, I love that story too. But what? Just can you take us back to that? Why did you push so hard for Penny Hardaway? And what were those conversations like with Pat? Because from what we understand, ultimately, he won. You won him over, but he wasn't really up for that in the beginning, right? Yeah, uh, Chris was a maybe a brighter star, you know, at, at uh, Michigan, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, Penny was playing for us, you know, a lower Division One school in a way. Uh, and I I really appreciated that he very willingly came back and worked out a second time for us. And and uh, uh, I remember when he did, was done working out, he I said, just stop up and see me in the office at RDV before you leave, buddy. So he did. And he, and he said, well, how did I do, Mr. Gabriel? Did you decide yet? I said, no, no. I said, just enjoy the day. I, I can't tell you right now what I'm going to do, but you, you know, I want you to know, I appreciate what you did in coming in and working out. And he had a great workout and he got up out of the chair, went to the door. I said, can you can shut that behind you? And, and he, the door popped back open and he stuck his head in. He said, Mr. Gabriel, he goes, if you trade, if you sign for me, if you draft me, you'll never regret it. I promise you. I said, thanks, Penny. I said, enjoy the day. And, uh, and, and that was the decision. And I also, Jeff, you would know this, and you would probably all remember it's the fact that the power of an inside outside game, you know, the, you know, having a, a big, uh, that can, handle just about anybody in Shaquille and having Penny who could see over everybody. We were bigger, Jeff, than any, any team we played against the two positions before the ball went in the air. We, you know, they, we gave them matchup problems. Yep. Nick was pretty daggone good in the post too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I, I you know, it's, uh, you know, I've told you guys this, that, um, you know, the, at the time you just didn't get the, the top three picks or whatever they, you know, just come in and, and work out like that. And, and back in those days, I don't know if it was legal or not. I don't think you can do this anymore, but um, a lot of us that were in town were at that workout with Penny and um, you know, we played, you know, we played full court and um, you know, a lot of us walked out of there thinking, okay, this guy, this kid's going to be really <laughs> special. Um and, and there was no doubt to that. I'm really disappointed, Gabe. I thought maybe you were going to say, you know, you told Pat, you know, look, we've got Jeff Turner. Why do we need Chris Weber at the power forward? We need a guard. But that's, you know, I mean, no, yeah, that, I'm, I'm that sure. Never, yeah. that, never, that never came up. Yeah, I <laughs> Actually, that thought never crossed my mind. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, what can, what can you tell us? I could go. We could go on tour. I could be a straight man. The whole <laughs> Please time, do right? it. Please do it. Don't let us stop you. Keep going. Please don't let us stop you. 
man. What can you tell us about Shaq, Gabe? When you get Shaq on the scene, and I, you know, I missed that by two years, Keel O'Neal, when mm-hmm. I first started here, but getting him in here, that dynamic of a personality in this town, in this market with a new team, I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure there were challenges, but I'm, it just had to have been, for the most part, just had to have been fantastic having that guy here in town. You know, and with the draft coming upon us really quick, it's a Shaquille's a an example of a once every ten years, once every fifteen year guy that comes around like Duncan and and uh, LeBron uh, probably LeBron and those guys. Yeah, I wish one of those. I wish we were in one of those years, you know, where we got yeah. the first pick. You set the franchise on his shoulders and go go from there. But it was it was interesting. It, the thing that people forget, and this is sort of eye-opening to those that are interested in the, uh, the uh, details of the game, the league incorporated the first collective bargaining agreement for three years that didn't have restricted free agency on it. So Penny and Shaquille were free to go wherever they wanted to go as free agents as their rookie deals unfolded. And that gave them a ton of leverage to say, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to command cap wise. The cap wasn't as hard of a cap as it is now. And I had to go to Shaquille and say, you know, Bob said, go tell him. Rich wants you to go tell him that he's got to share the money with Penny. And I didn't go over very well. I can't imagine <laughs> it did. No, I wouldn't think so. You know, so it was, you know, we, we, we lost Shaquille at the end of the day without any Without any compensation coming back, no draft picks, nothing. We were just left out in the cold. I think they changed that the next year. I think oh, right? they, they realized it was a mistake. Yeah, you know, right. right now, Gabe. Now let's we, you the '95 era kind of kind of goes away, and you're coming up on 1998, '99, and you decide that it's time to just reshape the franchise. And there are 55 transactions involved in one summer involving 51 players. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. Talk about what your mindset was going into that summer and then how it ended up, you know, maybe having come out better than you had ever thought it would that season, because obviously everybody had predicted we would win 10, 12 games and we were on the cusp of making the playoffs that year. And that kind of just, that changed the franchise again. Yeah, I don't want to blow smoke up my GM skirt, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Or sound, I'm, we're trying to do it for you <laughs> a little bit. Or sound right. too ostentatious, but you, you guys spoke earlier about relationships. And I, I really felt, and probably a little naive on my part, but I felt like I had a good relationship with just about every GM in the league. And that that I had didn't have really any malice in my negotiations and so i thought every gm thought it was a win-win and and that helped make make the moves and people weren't used to using salary cap room that early uh in the you know in the 90s they they didn't realize the value of it and then couple that with the fact that i had great relationship with david falk uh, who represented a ton of players then Arn Tellum, who was one of his protégés, Lon Babby, uh, and uh, the current GM for uh, um, 
drawing a blank for the uh, for the Knicks. Yeah, Leon Rose. Leon, Leon Rose. Rose. And uh, I think that that helped helped me quite a bit. Those guys, you know, wanted they wanted their players in Central Florida. Yeah. And, uh, okay. And the DeVosses and and Alex, who helped put together the recruiting schematic, really really helped go after things. And but I, I didn't do it as a group. We didn't do it until we knew we were sort of done. And we lost the series with uh philly when we were what the this we were the second, second seed. seed yeah and we yeah. were the seventh and uh i i went to get a cheeseburger after the game with joel who is uh not only great at what he did in pr and public and media relations but he was a good friend and uh i said come have a burger with me and i said and we talked about you know paying penny and keeping the team on we're breaking it up. And we got done the burger around 1230. I said, I think I need another burger. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not set yet. And we went across the street in Philly and had another cheeseburger. And uh, and then I just sort of decided I can't do what's popular. I got to do what's right for the franchise. And that's when we, we broke it up. How hard was that to sell, though, to the franchise? I mean, that's like you mm. said, that's a that's a really, really tough decision for you. Well, I flew to, G, to Grand Rapids to meet with Rich uh, DeVos. And, uh, you know, I said, I think I can make it happen, but will it sell? You know, will it sell to the owner? Will it sell to the fans? And as we were making the deals, you know, things were working and clicking pretty good. You could aggregate players back then together and send three out for three in. Now you can't aggregate them. They put a lot of restrictions on what we did. And, uh uh, so, uh, we made it happen. And I remember Joel was coming in as the, as the guy that needed to announce the deals and he kept coming in my office, like every 20 minutes, I said, oh, Joel, <laughs> we need to make another announcement. I said, Joel says, I said, Joel, I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. And he says, it doesn't matter. It's, it's selling. I love it. Keep going. Oh, that's great. So he cheered me on and kept saying, you know, we've gone this far. Let's keep going till we ended up with the cap room. And we played a little defense, too, because we had multiple picks in our arsenal also, which is similar to where we are today. Yep. I think I had right, five right. additional first-round picks. And I would bring the players in the video room and say, the prospects, and say, not only are we going to be good because we won 41 games the year before in a rebuilding year, I said, but they can't, nobody can catch us. You know, we're young, we've got draft picks, we've got great ownership, nobody can catch us. And uh, uh, that picked up, pissed off Jerry Krause and a couple others. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. That heart and hustle team, Gabe, what did you, first of all, did you coin that? Was that your phrase, heart and hustle? Where did that come from? I'll share, I'll share the, share it with Chris Dorso. He came up to me and said, you know, we're, we're chatting, we had a, fun relationship with everybody in the office. You know, we all did a little bit of everything. And uh, I, he said, uh, who, who should, who's going to be like on the cover of the media guide? I said, well, we got three guys, four guys that are undrafted. Uh, no one's seen an all-star game or even a ballot. <laughs> and and uh, I said, we're going to work real hard and we're going to hustle. 
And uh, he said, well, we'll come up. He said, we'll come up with heart and hustle as the theme. And that was it. Oh, oh man, that's, that's cool. awesome. That's great. You know, you had you had Daryl here already. You had some pieces. I, I want to get your thoughts on Ben Wallace. How did the Ben Wallace thing happen? Where did you find him? And what did you like about Ben? And I know you couldn't have never, no one could have predicted what he ended up becoming. But Ben wasn't Ben when he, when he came to right. us. And, uh, uh, you know, we heard good things about him and he was a hard worker, which was something you had to be to make, make it on the roster. And uh, the thing that was problematic with retaining him, even though we tried to go back and, and, and do the, do the deal with him also that year was that Bo Outlaw played for us for three years at the minimum. And Bo shot 58% from the line. Jeff helped me with this, but I think uh, Ben didn't shoot much better. No, no, no it's probably line. worse actually. My way, yeah, I'm right. sure it was. Yeah. So tell me this, what happens at the end of a game? <laughs> Right. Those are the guy, you got to pull them out, or that's the people they put on the line. Yeah. Exactly. So you can only play one or the other. That's right, right Jeff. So uh, Ben's numbers before he left and became MVP were like 18 minutes, six points, and six rebounds. He was so far from being the MVP that he ended up being in Detroit. And I, and I couldn't give the money to both of them. So uh, out of loyalty – you know, we paid Bo. But you liked him. That's just an amazing find. I just think that's You liked him enough to bring him in here. You know, and I think, when did you know that that heart and hustle team, when did you know you had something? Because you, I know the plan was to kind of rebuild and, and clear the deck, but at some point you had to know you had something. Then you make a trade to try to help them get to the postseason. Yeah. Uh, you know, once we had Bo and Daryl, uh, they really helped a lot of coaches, you know, in this case, and GMs, you know, Doc got coach of the year and I got executive of the year. The preceding or following year, Daryl got, was the only player to get most improved and sixth man. Yes. And uh, they would guard, guys, I don't know if you remember, but they would guard 90 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Bo, uh, Jeff, it's called shadowing, right? When you, yeah. when, when you go to the backcourt and, and help the point guard contain the point guard as a, as a center. Then you got to sprint back and pick up right. your own big man. And I think Bo coined that a little bit. And they guarded 90 feet. And people would come up to me and say, well, that's an amazing trap you put in. I said, <laughs> there's no trap. We don't even practice. Yeah. Well, what's <laughs> funny is that people, I tell people all the time, the minute that Daryl joined the team and that, you know, that was, you know, back in that with the 94, 95 crew um, at the end of the season. And then in the training camp the following year, he picked up, he, in practice, you know, it didn't matter. He picked up guys, I'm telling you, Penny, Brian Shaw, those guys hated Daryl. There was no love yeah. for Daryl because that's, he played. The way he played, you saw him in the game every second he was on the floor. With practice, a drill, it didn't matter. And, um, and the, he was a pest. And the caveat <laughs> yeah. that, Jeff, I think there was a practice that he called off at RDV. Guys weren't working. He said, we're not going to work here. He said, we're not going to play. And he kicked everybody <laughs> off. The, he kicked, he closed right. practice. He kicked, kicked everybody out of the gym. 
Yeah. We weren't working hard enough. But I, I, you know, I could appreciate that so much too. I, I had a minimal basketball playing career, but I, you know, defense was my thing. And I would introduce myself, usually had the leading scorer, on, whether he was a forward or guard. And I'd introduce myself to him and say, I'm John Gabriel. You're not going to touch the ball tonight. Yeah. <laughs> what he did to Don, that's what he did to Dante. That's what he did to me. I'm right. telling you. I didn't exactly touch right. the thing. Exactly hey, Gabe, right. real, real quick, you talked about like during all those transactions. And so the, the league, the rules changed about what you could do and everything oh. like that. But the, in the end, you went out and you, you had space to go and to recruit. Uh, you, you, you targeted three free agents in, in Grant Hill, Trace McGrady and Tim Duncan. And you got two of them. I, without rehashing all that, I just want to look like looking forward. Um, it, it can that still be done? Like, is, is that something in today's environment with uh, the way that you know the cap is and the rules and the way uh, players do? Can can you go out and sign uh, free agents like that the way you did it back then, or is it are the rules kind of limited? That the rules kind of limited, Jeff, but. You still can do it, but what, what I think we see now is that you, you want to put yourself, you want to use, uh, you want to use your, your room sense, your cap room sensibly and judiciously uh, at the right time. And uh, uh, a lot of times now what we see, and, I, and I'm not nuts about it, is that players that are coming into like, their free agent year, the next year, Just go to ownership and say, I, I want out. I want to go play somewhere else. Unfortunately, it's usually a West Coast team, the Lakers or the Clippers, but Miami is a destination. And I think we can be a destination again over time where players say, I, I want to go play there. And, and I'm not trying to uh, to circumvent the cap or, or, or uh, claim that you can – collude with a team and a player but that's a lot of times what happens and if you're not in the if you don't have the cap room you can't be part of the trade or unless you don't have or if you have a player that salary is big enough you trade the player that you have and multiple firsts and then maybe you can get in the game as we saw what happened with with uh, philadelphia and uh the nets all right gabe can you clear this up for us did you did you you got Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill? Did you almost have all three, or did you have two? Was it always going to be two, two guys, no. or did you come close to having all three? We moved into our house in Winter Park, uh, and uh, there was I, I had sent the family to the Jersey Shore, so they were everybody was gone, and I got a call from Lon Babby. Said he goes, "You son of a gun," because he wants to come to Orlando. And I, my heart about jumped out of my chest. And uh, uh, I said, okay, it was, you know, I immediately got on the phone with people smarter than me, which wasn't hard to do. Uh, and called the guys from Jones Day Law Firm and, and Scott Herring and said, can, can we make it work if we cut up the pie, you know, evenly? And, and we could have gotten all three. That's amazing. But that call was about Tim Duncan. Tim, you got a call from his agent saying he wants to come. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then 
the story is, is that David Robertson was vacationing in Hawaii and flew a private plane back to San Antonio and, uh, and made sure he didn't leave. Darn Admiral. Got us again. Admiral. <laughs> well, how about the fast? Guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate that well, guy. Fast, fast forward to now, Gabe. You mentioned it a couple of times. The situation that this team is in now, kind of similar thing. You cleared the deck. You're rebuilding. You've got some young talent. But you've got draft, you've got draft capital as well. Uh, how quickly can this thing, can the current situation turn around here in Orlando? Well, you know, it, what we're doing right now is exactly, you know, and, I, and I'm not, I, I will know power or influence, but I feel like we're doing exactly what we need to do. We're looking at players and prospects, number one. Number two, we're getting guys' experience on the floor. Uh, three, we're getting guys with that experience time with the players that they could play with. Uh, four, we're cr creating uh, com camaraderie and uh, and uh, and a bit of a theme to who we are, a culture, and 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 you know, I think if watch this now, if how, do you know how many teams were involved in trades during the trade deadline? No, but I think you're going to tell no. me. <laughs> Gabe, will you just tell us what it is? Tell us, Gabe, please. <laughs> please. It was 27. 27. More, more, you know, there was the one year, remember, George, where we were the only team to make a trade. Yeah. Mm, wow. Right. Uh, in uh, what the year was that? Year. It, was... it was a for a guard. Oh, gosh. I'm trying yeah. to remember what it, when it was, but you're right. We were the only ones that, to trade that that time. We did it more for highlights on the newspaper than we did <laughs> get better. But there were 27 teams, and of that 27, you know, most of them were 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 buyers, not sellers. And that's sort of the reason I bring it up. It sort of speaks to the parity in the league right now. So that wasn't the case when we won the 41 games. But, you know, I don't think we're as far away as maybe people think. And uh, we're finding that out. Uh, every every game, someone gets a little bit better. Uh, our, our rookies that we drafted and Wagner and Suggs and and uh, and others are really playing well, and uh, it's just that you know we, we're just a, not being able to finish because it, it it takes that superstar player to get you over the hump and get you that W, particularly down the stretch. But uh, I think we're doing exactly what we, what, what in my mind, what we should be doing. And you guys know this: Gabe is still out there scouting. He's still evaluating talent, and he's bringing that information. To Jeff and John, how valuable is that? That's how he, he's rarely wrong, Dante. He's rarely wrong. Resource. Rarely yeah. wrong. That's kind great of a resource. Hey, last thing, Gabe, and then we'll let you go. You do incredible work with, with the Parkinson's uh, Foundation, and you've raised so much money here in Central Florida. Can, can we just get an update on, on that? How, if people want to get involved, want to help, do you have any events coming up? I, I think it's, a, it's amazing what you've done for that cause. Well, uh, in April, early April, we're having a walk again, Great. and uh, uh, we're we're uh, we're at Crane's Roost at, on the first Saturday in April, and uh, you know we we've raised as much as one hundred eighty thousand dollars in prior wow. years for that, 
And then the, the large part of those dollars goes to Advent Health uh, and to people that have Parkinson's locally. We, uh, we uh, cut a check to Michael J. Fox to add to the $2 billion that he's raised. Wow. And uh, there's a new movement disorder building coming out of the ground. You can see it between, right after Lee Road and Fairbanks on the, on the left side. And that 10-story building will have two floors and strictly for Parkinson's and movement disorders. So uh, Parkinson's Association of Central Florida, PACF, go look it up. Uh, come walk with us. I'm going to be there. Uh, some of the magic staff is going to be there. And, uh, you know, you give whatever you want. You can give a dollar, you can give a hundred dollars. Uh, and, uh, the support will be much appreciated. Well, I love that. We'd love to be a part of that and, and be involved as, as best we can. Gabe, this is a pleasure. We could talk to you for three or four more hours, but George says we can't do that. So we're going to be <laughs> mindful of your time. <laughs> and he's we a appreciate Hall of Famer, man. He's, he's a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. He has a time limit now. I'd love, to talk, I'd love to continue to talk to you guys on more, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> See? And that's Gabe, what the Hall of Famer quick, can do. Gabe, like, if I look over your right shoulder, like, are, are you about to just practice the drums? Like, what, you got oh, something? Oh, yeah, what, you, what got? you got there? Uh, <laughs> this was a present. It's a Roland electronic set. Uh, I'm, I'm going to create a band, Men With Mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> in my next, oh. my next life. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a hit i can't wait to hear it all right neighbor, the neighbor <laughs> said keep it down over there by yeah, the way keep it yeah, down keep it down right. can't be wailing away on those drums jeez all two right. in the morning it gets obnoxious gabe <laughs> and yet another thing that we didn't know he does unbelievable man of many talents thanks so much gabe that'll do it for this edition of magic pod squad we'll see you next time